0: So I think when I hear that phrase, write what you know, I'm thinking that that's the perspective that you should really only write things that are related to your own experience, um, which I don't agree with.
1: You are now listening to Beyond the Fourth Wall of Writing with your host, John Robinson the Fourth. Here we smash walls, demolish writer's blocks, and learn how to harness the true power of storytelling. Let's get it cracking. Dr. Sheena Howard is a Howard University PhD graduate of Culture and Communication. She is the author and editor of several works, including Black Queer Identity Matrix, Black Comics, Politics of Representation, The Encyclopedia of Black Comics, Catalyst Prime's comic book series, Superb and has a new novel coming soon called Nina's Whisper. In addition, she's the first and only Black woman to receive the comic industry's coveted Eisner Award. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the next episode of the Beyond the Fourth Wall of Writing podcast. I'm your host, John, as usual. And with me, I have Dr. Sheena Howard. What's going on?
0: Hello. Happy to be here.
1: Word, word. And uh, Dr. Howard has like a, a huge rap sheet,
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> uh, most of which I've looked into and read bits and pieces of. Um, I was I was trying to I was trying to go on the venture of reading the entirety of the encyclopedia of black comics.
2: Oh, wow. <laughs> but nice.
1: uh, I didn't quite make it through the entire encyclopedia, but I did hit a lot of stuff. I, I learned a lot that I did. Like, I mean, like a lot.
3: <laughs> like,
1: good, good. So I love I love seeing, you know everybody knows I'm a huge comic head so I love seeing uh you know like a bunch of new black uh, created books you know to mm-hmm. to go after and black uh black creators in general you know mm-hmm. so yeah I d- I definitely appreciate you uh putting that out into the world <laughs> thank
0: you thank you
1: So um so before yeah before we really get rolling into it I kind of just want to go a little bit over uh you know, like what, what kind of got you into uh, the writing venture? Like how, how did you get rolling?
0: So I've always been good at writing. Um, Maybe not the um, grammar part of it so much, you know, as a kid, but I've always just Mm. been a good writer. Um, That, that is the preferred way I've liked to express myself and my feelings. Um, But the educational system wasn't really supportive of my writing. Like um, when I was in like fifth or sixth grade, um, I actually had a teacher who we had to write like this Psalm, like a poem, but like a Psalm, like a, like a Bible verse. Mm -hmm. And I wrote it and it was really good. I knew it was really good. Um, And actually when he gave me my paperback with the grade on it, he said, he wrote on, on my assignment. This is good. If you actually wrote it. Like just the assumption that it's so good that I could not have possibly written this. You know, no encouragement. No, you know, wow, like, you know, let's see if there's a special writing program for you or anything. Nothing like that. Right. Um, But it was my mom that really encouraged me she she was more trying to encourage me to read because I, I think she recognized that I was a good writer, and um you know I have family members that that um were good at writing, mm-hmm. um so her thing was like she wanted me to read more, so she would bring me to Border's bookstore if anybody remembers border yep, <laughs> um, and she would let me you know buy a drink like you know a, a, a sweet smoothie or something like that, and she'd make me pick a book and we would sit and read and i didn't because I, I don't I still don't really like to read. Mm-hmm. um it's not my favorite thing to do like I do audible books and right. even back then I was more into sports mm-hmm. um so my mom she kind of was trying to cultivate okay like let me let me try to cultivate this love of of reading and she really got me to start thinking about publishing right um, so yeah
1: yeah yeah see that's awesome like, and, and that's crazy to me that that a teacher would not help to cultivate a talent like that it's almost like yeah. He felt like I don't know, intimidated.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know,
1: that's just wow. And, and, yeah, right, you know, and and I think that's like, I mean, again, I, the the education system in general <laughs> needs all kinds of overhauls. Depending on where you are, um, depending on who you are as well. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Um,
0: just like, how do you overhaul people's assumptions of you? Like right, exactly,
1: yeah. exactly. Yeah. That's just. Wow. Um, so, OK, so, I mean, that's kind of that in itself is kind of a, a, a staggering intro. Do you think at that age when you when you got his response to it, it kind of made you want to push back? Like, you know what, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this regardless of, of what you think of me. Or No, no,
0: no. <laughs> you know, I I it, it just I couldn't I don't even I could not even process process it as a kid I actually still have that assignment with the comment on it like I saved that assignment with the com- and he wrote mm-hmm. it in red pen too like right um so I couldn't even process it then now that I'm older and I understand like race and educational system you know I've, mm-hmm. I've written and produced a documentary on how the educational system shapes our perception of race now I understand that it was just to me a racist comment you right. know, he's he's basically saying that this smart black girl in a not black world could not have possibly written something as good as this. Wow. Um, so, yeah.
1: Wow, wow, and, and and so I mean, we're gonna get we're we're gonna we're gonna circle back around, but this kind of segues pretty, I think, pretty well into uh, my questions about uh, the politics of race and re- representation. And in mm-hmm. and, and black comics, um, when, when we talk about, uh, representation, how people, uh, view people of color when they, when they write books or, or, or the potential to, to create anything, um, what is, is that one of the things, maybe that situation or situations that you were opened up to and exposed to after, uh, are those the kind of things that help you got in, get into writing that book or what was kind of like the, the, um, the inspiration catalyst for that book?
0: So for my first book, Black Comics Politics of Race and Representation, that book? That's the book you're talking about? Yep. So for that book, um, that book is is basically that book is based off of my dissertation at Howard University. Mm-hmm. Because I wrote my dissertation on African American communication dynamics in black comic strips with a focus on the boondocks comic strip. Right. Because at the time when I was doing my dissertation, I was really young. I was twenty-three. You know, I didn't have much life experience to really think about, you know, how do I want to use this dissertation to change the world? But mm-hmm. I was reading the Boondocks comic strip, which is, the Boondocks is my introduction into comics. Right. That was the first kind of comic related thing that I actually was invested in. Mm-hmm. And so I did, I did a rhetorical analysis, a rhetorical analysis um, of the Boondocks comic strip, also looking at gender dynamics and black masculinity. Mm-hmm. But when I was doing my research for my dissertation, I'm at Howard University doing this, so I'm thinking I'm just gonna go to the library, I'm just gonna pluck a book that's called The History of Black Comics, and I'm just gonna be able to to write, you know, my whole literature review (laughs) and background information on, you know, black comic strips. Lo and behold, there, there was no book about The History of Black Comics Wow. comics that specifically focus on the art, artists and creators who were of African descent. So it was a really big problem for me. I'm like, this is a really big void. Absolutely. And at Howard university, what they tell you is, you know, when you're writing a dissertation, you're supposed to be creating new knowledge. And at mm-hmm. first I was like, how do you create new knowledge? Like everything is already out here. It's just a matter <laughs> of like, no, you know, making something old and new or something like that. So then when I discovered that there was this big void and and I'm like, if I need this information, there has to be a lot of other people that need and want this information. So I wrote, I I author, I was the author author, editor of black comics politics of race and representation. Mm -hmm. um, Along with uh, my co-editor, Ron Jackson, to kind of try to start filling in that void. Like these are, these are places people can go to learn about the history of black people in comics.
1: Wow. I mean, so, I mean, again, so that book as well as the encyclopedia of of black comics um, to me was like, I mean, when I, when I saw it, the first, my first thought was, wow, after all this time, there hasn't been this, (laughs) you know? Uh, and, And then I was like, wow i'm super glad that this, I, matter of fact i think when i saw it was the, when i first followed you on twitter mm-hmm. <laughs> so i was like so when i saw it i was like wow um I, i'm i'm so glad this exists now you know what i mean right. uh so and i hope i hope i don't know if you have plans for future editions as time passes and more creators come out because that, that would be that would be awesome oh, yeah like yeah, yeah the that.
0: encyclopedia of black comics can go on forever because there's right. always people to include there's always hard decisions you have to make as far as who's included and who's not. And there's always just new people emerging and, and you know, working in this field. So um, it just takes, it, it was a lot of work to write that book. That book, that book was, right. there's a, there's <laughs> so many moving parts to writing an encyclopedia. Um, so, yeah. It's
1: such a huge accomplishment to me. It's like, it's like astounding. It's like inspiring, right? Thank you.
0: <laughs> Thank you, And it's not perfect, but hopefully people can understand like, the work that went into even just putting that together is uh massive.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. So you said your dissertation kind of got you into, into like the comic sphere. Um, and me personally, I'm a fan of superb. <laughs> I was a, I was a, I was a fan of, uh, uh, the whole catalyst. Prime. When, when catalyst prime hit and I saw that Joe was doing it, mm-hmm. um, I was like, uh, like the kind of like, kind of like, uh, the architect of her or whatnot. I was Mm -hmm. like, wow, like this I need to cop all of these books because Mm -hmm. this is gonna be the stuff that my kids read and it's gonna be like their like this universe is gonna be their universe that they grew up reading. And not not to not Marvel or D C or anything like that, but we, you know, we see a lot of the a lot of the same thing as far as skin tone and culture. Right. So um, So when I looked at Catalyst Prime and there was all these different backgrounds and all these different cultures and perspectives, I was like, okay, I want them to to I mean they can still read Spider Man and all that stuff too, but I want right. them to also know that this exists as well. And it's be right. familiar with this as something that they grow up grow up with. Um, my two favorite books were Noble and Superb. When um when I when I saw the the cover of Superb, I thought it was dope from the from the get go.
0: <laughs> so um shout out to the artist.
1: Right, word, word, so kind of what you know when when it comes to to choosing uh the characters for that book, what was kind of the inspiration behind the characters and and the concept of that book?
0: so the concept came from Lion Forge, the publisher who they just had a general idea, um well, they knew they wanted to make a universe, so they knew they wanted like a catalyst prime universe, and then they had the specific you know breakdown of all of the different stories so for superb they wanted a superhero with down syndrome and Mm -hmm. so basically we were just tasked to you know write this book um with the lead character being a superhero with down syndrome and then from there you know we we went to la to the writer's room to to eat because you know the universe everything is connected you know there's this meteor that hits the earth but everybody you know all the different books are different stories about that same sort of event so we had to you know, all of us had to get together, um, Brandon Thomas, everybody, um, get get together and, you know, talk about what's going on in your story. What is your story about? When and how are these going to intersect? Mm-hmm. Um, and just through brainstorming with David Walker, who was the co-writer for Superb, um, right. you know, we had a lot of brainstorming conversations about, you know, who we wanted the characters to be, what we, what we needed their personalities to be like. You know, we came up with Kayla and Jonah, who are going to be best friends with Kayla being a black female character and Jonah being, you know, white teenager, which I think is pretty awesome to have a best friend relationship with Uh a black female and a a white male um, kid with down syndrome. I think that was a really fun dynamic to just show like, you know friendship doesn't you know there's no color barrier to friendship um, right yeah especially when you think about young kids right they just they just mm-hmm. want to have friends that they can talk to you know color is not a barrier until like the world gets to you and then you start having you know seeing the world through all these different lenses of color mm-hmm. um so so yeah and it was a really fun book to write it was i think that book was really fun to write because we we were we focused on having the teenagers talk like teenagers and act like teenagers, as opposed mm-hmm. to these are teenagers, but they're written and have dialogue like they're adults.
1: Right, <laughs> I've seen a lot of that in the past. <laughs> exactly.
0: exactly.
1: Uh, and, and I think I think you guys accomplished that. I think it really did sound natural. Um, you know, and and, and I like the other. Char- I can't remember the mechanic character who shows up um, a little bit later on in this in this series. Um, and what was her name? I think yeah, she was like a she was like a mechanic when I helped help make her help.
0: Oh, oh, the friend that that um that did all the gadgets and stuff.
1: Right. Yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah. so I don't
0: remember her name. Either. <laughs> it's a couple years. It's been a couple years.
1: Right. No. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah. When, when yeah, when she when she showed up, I liked I like that she was kind of the you know because she was like the brains behind a lot of mm-hmm, the you mm-hmm, know I guess mm-hmm. the technical stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and she kind of helped add that aspect to it um but yeah no i really i I really dug that i really dug that book um i like Mm -hmm. i like how it turned out um and i'm kind of so i'm wondering um currently you've got uh nina's whisper that Mm -hmm. is coming out soon in the past it didn't come out in the past week did it it's coming out (laughs)
0: april 19th Uh, okay
1: april april 19th got you got you yeah Yeah, i was i was looking at two i remember i saw the um I saw the coming soon, but I didn't see the, yeah. the date. So
0: the pre-order the pre-order link is available now on Amazon, but that's just a pre-order for the ebook. Um the book will officially mm-hmm. be released on April nineteenth. It'll be an audible book, it'll be an ebook, and it'll be a print paperback
1: book. Perfect. Can you, can you tell us a little bit about what Nina's Whisper is about?
0: Yes, Nina's Whisper is a domestic suspense story. Um, mm-hmm. about a woman's struggle to basically find herself and triumph over domestic abuse at the hands of another woman. So I would call it a coming-of-age mm-hmm. story. However, the main character is, is like, late 20s, so it's not really coming-of-age, but it's, right. it's sort of, you know, her learning about herself, learning about her right. weaknesses, and also learning about her strengths through her journey, trying to, one, recognize that she's in an abusive relationship, mm-hmm. which is difficult to do when it's, it's um, same gender, same gender abuse. you. Right,
2: right, um,
0: right. And then how she ultimately grows from that. Um, and so it, it's one of those books where Mark Lamont Hill reviewed it and he said, you know, this book will make you angry. It'll make you sad, but ultimately <laughs> it inspires you in some way and that the characters kind of linger even after you read the book.
1: Right, right. Yeah, I like, see, I like the idea of a book that hits on, and we, let me back up for a second. Recently, um, I recorded an episode of this podcast talking about uh, where you get story ideas from. Mm-hmm. And um, one of the major talking points on that is the fact that you get them from like your, your, like yourself, like your nice. experiences and things exactly. that speak to you in mm-hmm. some way. And the fact that you have a domestic uh, abuse story or, 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 or a character who's learning how to navigate, you know, this mm-hmm. field of domestic abuse. And then it's a, and then it's like uh, two women as right. opposed to like, you know, you know, the male woman dynamic and, right. you know, the the guy is usually the guy, exactly. <laughs> he's usually the one.
0: Exactly. <laughs> or, or, or at
1: least are, it's framed.
0: Yeah, we are socialized <laughs> to believe that abuse is male to female.
1: Right, exactly.
0: But abuse is about power and control. Absolutely. so it's not just men abusing women mm-hmm. um it's about power and control so i mean that 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 goes across sexual orientations mm-hmm. genders gender identity um and that's not to take away from the fact that um by and large you know women have to be very careful um about getting into abusive relationships at the hands of men but mm-hmm. um there's a lot of there's a lot of research and reports out about the the rate of domestic abuse among um same sex couples and some of these reports are saying that it's the same as or even higher than heterosexual couples but these are things you know these are things that people don't want to talk about
3: mm-hmm.
0: and these are people things that people don't want to deal with um but I'm here you know you know I, I think the theme in all of my work even though some of my things just seem so different you know mm-hmm. um is that I'm here to challenge common stereotypes to right. bring attention to things that um, need and deserve attention that that are not getting the attention that they should mm-hmm. um, to make people think right so right um and you know I write things I write things that I want to see things that I want to read about and things that I think are going to kind of move the consciousness of people to a different level
1: absolutely I mean it, it, it's so important to get work like that out like to speak really to just speak your truth so when right. I people right. ask, like, where did I get started? I mean, you get, like, you get them from you. Like, you right. know what I mean? Like, right. there, there is something that you're passionate about. There's something, you know, and, and it may, which, what you're passionate about, about may shift. That's why, you right. know, people's exactly. writings may shift over time and right. what you're passionate about may change based on what you learn. Exactly. So if you're ingesting, like, if somebody is reading your books and they're, and then they resonate with those books, then that may become something that they're passionate about and that they put out. You know. Exactly.
0: <laughs> exactly. And I write, you know, I write to learn as well. Like, you know, my, my first book, Black Comics, Politics of Race and Representation, mm-hmm. you know, that's an edited book with a number of awesome contributors writing different chapters because, you know, I don't know it all and I'm here to learn just like everybody else. And so, if I, you know, I write books that help me learn more about the things that I care about and want to write about. And writing um, Nina's Whisper, which is actually my um, debut novel. It's the first fiction book I've ever written. I've written comics, but this is the first fiction novel I've ever written. You know, I've, I learned and am learning and will learn a lot about domestic abuse. Like it comes in a lot of different forms. You know, people just tend to think about abuse as though, you know, this person got, got physically hurt and sent to the hospital, but -hmm. there are so many different forms of abuse before it even gets to that level. Um, And a lot of people are out here in toxic relationships and don't even realize that they're in an abusive relationship because maybe the person isn't hitting them, you know, maybe the person isn't putting physical scars on them. Um, and just, you know, I really want this book to inspire people to just be in healthy relationships and get right. out of unhealthy relationships.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And I like, that's a, that's really a powerful thing. The power, which you mentioned earlier, power and control. Yeah. Um, that that is a really powerful thing because it can come in so many different forms
0: exactly exactly exactly
1: so yeah so i some like
0: some of my friends who are in you know you know as a member of the lgbtq community you know i see especially um you know i'll speak to to, to um uh, lesbian relationships
2: mm-hmm.
0: um a lot of people are in like these relationships where like you know, it's not normal for your significant other to not want you to go out with your friends or to always have to be there when you go out with your friends. Sometimes I think, it, especially for women, we tend to just look past that because we're like, oh, it's a, you know, this is a, a woman thing. No, this is a power and control thing, and right. that is not healthy
1: word wow see I never I, see that's what I mean like by learning I would have never known to think of it from that perspective right yeah. so I mean which is which is why which is why I like to dive into different stories that mm-hmm. I don't know anything about um I may not necessarily r- want to uh, write about it up front at first I like mm-hmm. to learn about it and then if I feel inspired mm-hmm. to write about it um mm-hmm. uh, I'll, I'll, I'll I'll do so um which honestly that that really does speak to the this this idea of um, that I wanted to talk about of writing what you know and and knowing what you write. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a, that's a common like writing thing that comes up, uh, a, a common concept I'll say. Um, you know, it's like, do you really like when people tell you to write what you know? What to, to you, what does that really mean? Or you know, I guess from how do you interpret that?
0: So, I think when I hear that phrase "write what you know," I'm thinking that that's res- the perspective that you should really only write things that are related to your own experience, um which I don't agree with you know I think see this is this is a kind of a loaded that's a loaded phrase because <laughs> it is. you know white people have been writing everybody's stories for a very long time, and people are tired of that, right? We're in an age where you know we want to write our own stories, right. Um, And, you know, white people have been commodifying our stories and selling them and spitting them back to us and Mm -hmm. um, representing us in all types of crazy ways. So I think I think you have to separate this phrase. I think there's white people who just quite frankly, people people of color are tired of them writing our stories. There are a lot of black people that can write these stories for for um and and white people are going to get backlash when they continue to like misrepresent people and rightfully mm-hmm. so because there's all these are historical elements there
2: right
0: very damaging to people of color and then you know outside of you know white people and white privilege um i think about myself right what you know if that was the case i would have never written a comic book about a superhero with down syndrome because i don't have down syndrome and i don't know anybody else that does but you have to do the work if you're gonna write somebody else's experience, especially if it's a group of people that you're representing that that are underrepresented or not represented at all in the media. So for superb with a superhero with Down syndrome, I talked to one of my friends who has a kid with Down syndrome before I even wrote the book, you know, talk to me about your, your kid, talk to me about how they socialize, you know, all that kind of stuff, just trying to learn these different dynamics. And then for that book, we had the National um, National Down Syndrome Society read over all of our scripts. And there were were some things in our scripts where they're like, no, like, you can't say that. Like, take that part out because that's very offensive. And Mm -hmm. we took it out. Not that they had the final say, but things things that were like really like, hey, you know, you got to be careful with this. We took that into consideration. So if you're going to write somebody else's story, you have to have sensitivity readers. You have to do the work. You have to spend time with the people that you're writing about, um, like real time, like face to face time, not like researching on the Internet about this group of people or just, you know, kind of just making things up based on your limited experiences Mm -hmm. um, about this group of people. So that's how I think about that phrase.
1: Right, right. Doing, I think, doing the work is the most important, <laughs> the yep. most important part. Uh, the part of that, um, and then I've also, on, on the flip side, I've also, uh, you know, come in contact with, with people, uh, I guess, white people who I, I guess, I, I wouldn't say I, I personally challenge them, <laughs> but mm-hmm. I, I, I've come across the conversations where uh, they may, they may say, well, I don't write. I don't write black people in my books or what other whatever kind of people in my books that are not white, uh, because it's just not my thing. I, I I don't I don't know that. And to me, when they say I don't know that and it's not my thing, it I don't know. Like it, it silently kind of says I don't care about that thing. <laughs> to, me, <laughs> that's just, to me, that's yeah.
0: a better response. Good. Then don't write. Don't don't because we don't want that kind <laughs> of person writing about other people. Like that's the type of person that we don't want you writing about other people's experiences. Cause you just said that you don't know how to do it. Right. So don't even attempt it. <laughs> and, stay in your lane. and that to me, that's fine.
1: Mm-hmm. Word, word. And I was, I was thinking about also um, the the concept of access, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and lately, I mean, well, I won't say lately over time uh, there, are, you know, uh, people of color, by people, uh, all all different backgrounds have been starting to get a little more access. Like, I I never, I'm never of the mind that, oh, we're there. You know, Mm -hmm. some people, when they say we're there, I'm like, nah. (laughs) Things, yeah, Black Panther happened, but, you know, come on. Like, Black Panther is not the, or actually, rather, it is the Obama of movies. Right. Uh, But if you think about Obama, Obama didn't, also did not mean that we were there. You know, people were like, oh, we got a black president, we're done. That's not right. what that means, <laughs> you know. So when I when I look at Black Panther as much as I as I love that film, I'm like, okay, this should now be the floodgates, and it has been to some some extent. Um, mm-hmm. I won't say floodgates, but it's been it's it's helped uh, steam other things forward. But mm-hmm. now we should continue to follow after that and create other things uh, like that. You know what I mean? Right. Right. Um, so <clears throat> when I when I see uh, when I see uh white writers or directors or creators uh genuinely try to do something uh with their access Mm -hmm. um then i kind of wonder to myself like well i i I kind of step back to begin with and i I say okay are they doing this for the uh, for the right reasons is this Mm -hmm. a genuine thing or is this just a uh for the for the, because it's popular right now, right? Thing. And and a lot of the times, to I I can't really judge people off of like just seeing a name on a thing. Mm-hmm. I've got to like look at I got like look at their interviews and see mm-hmm. what they're saying in the articles and right. <laughs> and stuff right. online. Um, I, I I was thinking recently about the Watchmen show that just came out, mm-hmm. uh, which is directed by David Lindelof, who's mm-hmm. a white guy. Or, or I'm mm-hmm. sorry, Damon. Damon. I'm sorry, Damon Lindelof. who's a white mm-hmm. guy. Um, mm-hmm. and I really liked how much he struggled <laughs> with the idea of doing this thing. And then I and then I and I also really enjoyed that that um or really respected rather that he got a cast that was uh halfway uh at least half black people and women mm-hmm, to talk mm-hmm. about these experiences. And I think that if you're not of a particular background, like if you like, like he may know a lot cause he did do his research and stuff like that. But I, I mm-hmm. think that it was also, he was also humble enough to say, um, okay, regardless of the fact that I, I've learned about this thing, that was this Tulsa thing, for example, that was brand new to me. Mm-hmm. I'm going to bring other people who really know about this on board. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> so what were, I don't know if you watched Watchmen, but what were your, uh, did you have thoughts on that?
0: No, I haven't really been paying too close attention to, to Watchmen. Um, I don't get to, I don't get to read, things for leisure or watch anything um that much anymore um especially you know in 2019 I wrote three books so I've been like I've been largely out of the loop but with the example that you just gave yeah like bring bring people of color in bring people in that know these things these experiences bring bring consultants in hire a co-writer that is someone of this experience right um, mm-hmm. I think that solves a lot of problems. Have sensitivity readers and that kind of thing. That that solves a lot of problems. Just be aware, you know. Actually mm-hmm. care about what you're about to represent on the big screen or in or in a book. Um, and you know that's that's what everybody should be doing.
1: Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and and, and you know, I think that was a. I only brought Watchmen up because I think that was a good instance of where I I just assumed that the director. Oh. This- probably a black director, you know? <laughs> and then when I saw that it was uh, Damon, I was like, wow. Um, because it was very, it was, it was raw and it was accurate, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And I didn't, I had no idea what Watchmen was going to be. I just was like, oh, Watchmen, I read, you know, I liked Watchmen right. or whatever. And I'm, I'm let, right me go, right. let me go watch this show, this new show. And then when it opened up and it said Tulsa 1921,
2: mm-hmm. I was
1: just like, whoa. Yeah. Like, yeah. like no way <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so uh, it was it was just a big shock you know and i right, think it shocked right. a lot of people and and then the fact that i again i guess hbo or whoever was in charge of the uh, you know the access mm-hmm. uh the fact that they greenlit it I, I mean that could be partially oh this may make money i mean you know everything's right. always about the money yeah but definitely. the but the fact that they they, they greenlit that and they told Damien he could do whatever he wants. And then Damon yeah. chose to talk about that thing and then chose to bring the right voices in. I right. That was huge. You know
0: what I mean? That seems like progress to me.
1: Right. Right. So hopefully we get more stuff like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. uh, of course, I've seen a lot of, I've seen a lot of conversation online of, you know, mostly white folks <laughs> who were upset about, you know, what, what, this is not Watchmen, blah, 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 blah. Of course. Um, <laughs> but yeah, there's always, there's always going to be that, and I'm hoping that, that as we continue to create things, that we we get less of that. The people watch this stuff and they and and and, and they ingest and understand. Right. You know, they learn from it. You know what I mean? The mm-hmm. same way that I learn from other cultures that I don't know you know
0: yeah i mean in comics you know there's a whole there's a whole movement called comics gate about people who are opposing this kind of what they call
3: forced (laughs)
0: diversity like it's a whole thing and you know it's hard when when as a white person operating from a place of privilege when things have been done the same way for hundreds and hundreds of years, for now there to be, you know, people participating in this medium and bringing different voices to the forefront and, you know, having stories that actually represent the country, you know, it's hard for people to, to let go of that that privilege and to let go of, um, you know, the fact that, you know, there are other people participating in in, in this medium or wherever medium right. it is. Um, so you can imagine, you can imagine how a person feels threatened, um, when, when things change the way they do.
1: Word, word. Yeah. Um, I mean, honestly, I I think, I think in general, um, more people, I'm seeing more people opening up to just writing different things. Um, I'm seeing more, uh, people of color Mm -hmm. having access, other marginalized Mm -hmm. groups Mm -hmm. having access. I hope that that continues. Mm -hmm. Um, and I hope that those, that the people like, uh, you know, if they are white people that do write these things, that they're doing their work and they're doing it for the right reasons. And they're asking questions, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, because I think that's probably the most important thing. Um, also this idea of, of, uh, uh, a recent conversation that I had, uh, about race being a, what, what was the term that was used? Superficial mm-hmm. uh, when it comes to storytelling. Um,
0: yeah, I don't even know what that means. That just sounds like... <laughs> a, a, um you uninformed.
1: have any thoughts on that statement?
0: <laughs> I mean, that's just a very uninformed statement. I don't understand how race is superficial. It, it literally impacts everything that we do down to the food that we eat and the way that we talk,
2: mm-hmm. the
0: way that we learn to write, the way that we're educated. Mm-hmm. so yeah I don't I don't understand how
1: <laughs> I mean that that's that's how I I felt I didn't I was trying to find a good way to I, I guess the to counteract the statement
0: mm-hmm. <laughs> it's hard to counteract statements when they're so they're just so off base it's just right. unbelievable. <laughs> it's hard to have a comeback
1: exactly you know um because
0: if somebody's saying something like that then you really can't have an intellectual exchange with that person because nothing that they say is going to be you can't you can't you can't challenge something like that because it's totally off base
1: right right um I, I think the the one of the points that were was brought up on their end was that well hey when You know, it doesn't matter if a character in, you know, I don't know, what if it's, I don't know, some random movie, if it's Die Hard, you know, it doesn't matter if if Bruce Willis was, I don't know, Will Smith in Die Hard. It doesn't matter, it doesn't matter which one he's, which one he is. So there's no point in thinking about the race of a person because it's superficial. And to me, I was, I was thinking that that just can't be, that can't be right because I feel like that, a black person or an LGBTQ person or a person from this culture over here who's maybe not from America or is, whatever their background, their culture, their race is, is going to impact how they approach a situation, even if it is just stuff blowing up. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, yeah.
0: I don't know how you're going to write nuanced, interesting characters if you don't care about their cultural background.
1: Right. Right. Um, while, while in general, Sure, Bruce Willis, you know, I like Bruce Willis. He's cool. Um, <laughs> while well, I'm sure he's, you know, he's just running around killing people and trying to keep from getting killed and whatnot in those movies. Um, that he has a character background, the same as, uh, if he was a black woman <laughs> would have a, a, a character background and she may approach the situation differently.
0: Right. Exactly. You know,
1: so, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think, I think it's important. I think like when I'm, when I'm writing, um, a character of any sort. Uh, when I bring in, whether it's you know, be at the beginning or later on in the in the writing process, when I bring in what background they are, that's when it really gets fun and interesting. I'm like, okay, well, how would they approach this thing based on what they know? You know, um, mm-hmm. right. Kind of how do you like with different things that you've that you've written? Um, how do you think you you approach the character creation? process um, and, and it's, it's in terms of culture, background, race, whatever?
0: Um, you know, I don't want to... I, I, I do try not to beat people over the head with race.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: If you're talking about fiction writing and comic book writing. Right, um, right. Yeah, I try not to... I try to be subtle about it. Um, so, I, yeah, I, I am really purposeful about not beating people over the head with topics about race but also just writing characters that do do things that might be culturally black um Mm -hmm. even down to the names of characters so for my book Nina's Whisper, um actually I got the name Nina from one of my favorite movies Love Jones um um, yeah so Nina is the the other lead character in Love Jones one because I struggled with getting character names and I was like well let me just think about things that i really like, um,
2: <laughs> I like that.
0: so so yeah that's kind of how i approach it you know if if there's if there's a if there's something in the story where the culture needs to be expressed in a particular way mm-hmm. because it kind of moves the story forward or it's an added detail that's important for the story then i'm going to put it in there but i'm not just going to throw all these different cultural elements in there just to throw them in there right um,
1: and that's and that can end up like not reading well. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I think it's more of the, the glacier idea, you know, um, yeah. the glacier that's under the water. It's like, yeah. there's like kind of all this under the water things that you don't see about this yeah. character. Um, and,
0: and, and, you know, the race of the characters does change the dynamic of the story. Like, right. don't get me wrong. Like the race of the characters is something that you have, you should think about seriously Because it it does change the dynamic of the story. Um, Because when people consume your content, there's all different races reading what you wrote. And they're going to be interpreting things through all different lenses, including through the lens of who they are as a Black person, a Hispanic person, whatever, a gay person, a straight person, whatever it may be. And so people are, are going to have different interpretations about what you wrote based on the cultural background and who the characters are.
1: Right. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I just think it's cool. Also, the the other part of it is just seeing just seeing uh, people of color, marginalized groups on the screen or in a mm-hmm. books or, or whatnot, even even the gesture. I just I just recently read a book uh, called uh, The Stormcrow um, and the white author. It's a fantasy book, completely just, you know, completely fantasy. And the main character is black. You know, mm-hmm. and there's nothing, she just happens to be black, you know, and the, and the culture, the city she's from is a, you know, primarily black people. And, and that, and that was it. And it was just nice, even though it was a fantasy world, has nothing to do with our current real world. It was mm-hmm. just nice right. that you're reading this book and you see this, this, uh, this black woman is the, is the, is the lead, you know, mm-hmm. and sometimes that gesture alone is right nice to see, you know, even if yeah. it is a not real world <laughs> you know a fiction completely yeah. fictional uh, universe so um yeah you know i think i think that kind of representation is important I'm, all, I'm i'm like super huge on representation i'm always i'm always you know like i when i when i write stuff i don't even i don't i guess in the same way that <laughs> the other people may say that they don't think about the the race of the people mm-hmm. uh, i don't i i just naturally have diverse people you know right. um if anything i have to think about if there's a white person in the book, <laughs> like, oh, I just realized I don't have very many white people in this book. And, you know, and it's not like on, it's not on purpose. It's just I tend to, you know, I, I'm interested in, you know, obviously my own culture and then uh, other cultures that I don't usually see because it's more fun to write other things that you don't know, you know? Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And then, I think you, like you said earlier about, about doing the work, you learn about those things, you know, right. you, you learn. Uh, what is accurate about them. The, the main characters in my comic, Scorpio, are Chinese-American, and I got a fringe Chinese-American. And I hit her up all the time, and we just talk about these different important aspects of the characters. And there's nothing right. in the book that's particularly, like, super extra Chinese or anything like that, but their background matters, and it's important to write them accurately, you know? Yep. Um, and, and I've learned a whole lot. I was, man, when I first first started, I was writing some really not accurate stuff down in my initial mm-hmm. notes and i learned a lot <laughs> from mm-hmm. talking to her i'm like oh i guess i should <laughs> i should fix this you know right um but yeah i think I, like you said earlier i think it really comes down to doing doing the work you know right um yep. so yeah i think i think that really i think that really covers i awesome. yeah i think it covers a lot of it um do you have any other any other comments or notes that you want to say about just doing in any aspect, whether it's whether it's from culture, whether it's based on race, whether it's just based on, you know, you're about to write a space story, you're dealing with mm-hmm. spaceships, and so you don't know anything about <laughs> space travel. You know, um, do you have any other comments on on the the idea of writing uh, what you know or knowing what you write?
0: Yeah. So the other, the the last thing I want to say is, you know, the, the the phrase that you mentioned, like writing a character accurately. Mm-hmm. Actually, I don't know what that means because. Mm-hmm you know, individuals are individuals. They might be a part of a group, but they're still individuals with their own individual personalities, idiosyncrasies. Right. Um, but I do think that, you know, sometimes at least culturally speaking, um, there are things that will resonate differently with black people versus white people versus, you know, Asian people. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think I don't really like when people say, this character was authentic or accurate because what does right. that mean like there's there's mm-hmm. there's all different black people are not monolith, monolithic monolithic mm-hmm. so i don't know how you write anybody accurately i mean there, there's there's ways that you can go really far left to be like this character <laughs> like what like a black person would never say or do that right,
3: <laughs> right. um
0: that's why i'm saying like let that characters be individuals, Mm -hmm. but there are certain things in there that are kind of a nod to like black culture or the black community. Right.
1: Absolutely. Um,
0: And that, that could be, that could, you know, that could get tricky. Mm -hmm. That could get tricky. Because something that a, a character that a white person writes in a stereotypical way, it's going to be received differently than a character that a black person writes in a stereotypical way. Like the black person Mm. might be able to get away with it. The word a white person is like, man, this is racist. So all of that stuff (laughs) is factored in, right? Like all of that stuff is factored in. That's true. Um, So, yeah. Yeah.
1: I, th- I think it comes out a lot in the in the, in the small details, the really really right. small details. Like, right. like like yeah, the overarching plot might be stuff blown up in I keep talking about Die Hard because it's just a random movie. But right. like, you know, the overarching part, plot might be stuff blowing up and people trying to kill you. Right. But like the small details are what matter like uh like how uh, who who was recently writing stuff like like how how uh, a woman's hair might be done? There was a there was a comic yes. recently um, yes. where Very Danny true. Rand was doing Misty Knight's hair,
2: mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm.
1: and I think originally the writer Jeremy, uh, he's white, his his wife is black. Jeremy writes excellent culture in all forms, and he he mm-hmm. does the work. Um, but yeah, he he was writing. Um, he was Danny was like braiding her hair, and um, <laughs> he asked his wife about it, and he she was like um. You know, if he's braiding her hair in this way, you know that's going to take, like, an entire day, right? Yeah,
0: that's <laughs> the point. It's, a, it's, a small, <laughs> it's the small things. Like, if you're going to, you know, a white person might do a scene with a black female and a black male, like, going to sleep. Well, if right. she don't have a scarf on her head, this is not exactly. authentic. Like, <laughs> exactly.
1: <laughs> the small so details. Really, like,
0: those small things, which, see, that's the difference between, like, a stereotype and then, I guess, being what people call authentic. Because most black women go to sleep with something on their head. They go to sleep with a scarf on their head. Mm -hmm. Um. So I guess yeah. I guess that's the that would be the delineation between you know authentic and then just this is just a stereotype type thing.
1: Absolutely right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I think those are the things that I think that's what I was trying to express to that person. Those those small things were. I mean, yeah. The book may not be about you know the African diaspora. (laughs) It may just be about stuff blowing up. But those tiny details can be something that that helps represent who uh, you know who that character is right Um, right
0: right i mean that you gave with uh, i think you said die hard like if will smith was in that movie you know black men tend to have a black man swag walk on they walk different right exactly (laughs) (laughs) they're gonna bring something a little bit different to the character because of who they are
1: Right, absolutely, absolutely, and I think it's just cool to see that representation. I mean, saying you know, we can, I mean, we could talk about this all day. <laughs> right, <laughs> I go right, out and give right,
2: right, right, Example
1: after example. Right. For Miles Morales. I mean, <laughs> right, it was just right. cool seeing Miles walk in yes. that movie. Just yes. see him walk through his. I will forever reference that movie because I love it. But just seeing him walk through his neighborhood. Yeah. Um. You know what I mean? Like, I just I just yes. love that so much. I mean, it was yes. just such a small part of the movie. It wasn't really important to the the plot of him becoming Spider Man, but it was important right. to him as far as he, who he was. You know?
0: yeah and I like that comic book a
1: lot um yeah absolutely man it's 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 just great so i like i like seeing stuff like that i like seeing that kind of Definitely. representation, you know, Definitely. just just seeing it um but yeah uh, all right, so we can kind all of right. <laughs> we can we can kind of wrap it up um okay cool so where where can people uh find you and your work online?
0: So the, my favorite social media app is going to be Twitter. That's Dr. Sheena Howard. You can find me on Instagram at Dr. Sheena Howard. That's D R S H E E N A H O W A R D. My webpage is Sheenachoward.com. Um, my Facebook fan page is Dr. Sheena Howard. Um, so go ahead and like my fan page. Follow me on Twitter. Follow me on Instagram so you can keep up with what I'm doing, what I'm pump- what I'm pumping out, what I'm producing. And yeah. That's Word. me.
1: Word. And as usual, you guys can find me at Fourth Wall on Twitter. That's I V W A L L. Also the podcast is on fourthwall.net, I V W A L L. Um, you can look up beyond the Fourth Wall and subscribe on Google, uh, Google Play, iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio stitcher etc pretty much wherever uh you listen to podcasts you can probably find it there uh just google it and yeah i think that's i think that wraps it up this was an excellent show uh dr howard thanks for coming on and and chatting with me (laughs) thank you awesome awesome and i hope to talk to you again soon
0: awesome have a good one